Hey, my name is Zev Bennett. You are listening to the Stowed Blocks podcast channel. And we try to do foundational transformational Torah on this channel, which means uh, exposing you to ideas from the Torah that are designed to change the way that you think in ways that are fundamental and profound, as opposed to just sort of having sort of like Devar Torah, um, fragmented perspectives on Torah. This is really about sort of showing how all the parts fit together and how everything sort of makes sense. And that really wakes up a profoundly deep way of seeing the world and of understanding who you are and what your place is here and how to be the best you, the most alive you that you can actually be. So in this episode, we're doing the Nefesh Chaim series, and we are still in chapter six. Hopefully we're going to finish it in this episode. And um, this is Shar Aleph, Perak Vav. We are on page 22 in the classic edition, and we're talking here about the concept of mitzvos, um, how they are designed to essentially create bridging connections between you and the larger self that we call the Ein Sof, the Endless One, uh, Hashem. And so they, we're sort of towards the bottom of the page on page 22, and it says, the paragraph which starts, Ve'alzeh. And here we're talking about um, the concept of if you just like if you do a mitzvah, you do an action that is an expression of Hashem's being in the world, and you operate as a channel that sort of creates this accumulation of connection and higher consciousness between you and Hashem, and sort of wakes you up a little more, makes you more of a divine being, an intangible self in a physical space. So you can also do things which violate that whenever you live in a way that undermines truth and distorts away from truth. So then that's also going to cause a parallel resonance in the system of existence. And not only will you become more distorted, you'll also cause this sort of like a ripple effect. And that ripple effect will actually also wake up this parallel distorted being perspective that can flow down from Hashem, from the larger system, because Hashem sort of uh, mirrors whatever it is that you do. So if you operate in a way that is more in sync with Hashem, then Hashem operates in parallel and Hashem sort of expresses himself through you in a way that is um, more conscious and more connected. Similarly, if you operate in a distorted way, so then Hashem sort of operates in parallel to you and, and he radiates towards you greater distorted perspectives and more disconnection and more uh, fundamental distance because of the way that you are operating as a mirroring. That's what he writes here. And this is what the Torah says, means when it says, you will become tame um, through things that are metame you, things that are tame. So he says here, it's talking about uh, different kinds of, um, well, this is a, it's a longer discussion of what it's referring to here, but basically the point is that he says, the phrase means really sort of like within you. The, the, the word bum means like inside of you. Because what happens is when you operate in a way that is tame, that is distorted and making you a sort of like more connected to the perspective of existence that you are finite and that you are a mortal transient creature, so then it, that actually connects itself to you and then surrounds you. You actually you actually embed yourself. That's why tuma, the idea of being tame is usually associated with almost like it's like impurity. It's like you're dirty because you're sort of getting yourself, you're you're immersing yourself in a distorted way of being. makifo, and then the air of Gehenim. So Gehenim is usually translated as hell. And Gehenim actually means the encounter with your own stagnance, stagnancy, stagnancy, that's a word, um, your own stagnantness, um, that whenever you operate in a way that is not 
connecting yourself more and more and more to who you really are, not waking up within yourself the memory that you're actually an aspect of Hashem. That's called being stagnant whenever you're doing the opposite of that. And so you actually begin to experience that when you become tame. So you have this experiential encounter with death and with your own transient finiteness, as if you are not an immortal, endless being. And then when you experience that, that's, the, that's, that's what is meant by the air of Gehenna is surrounding you. Um, even while you're still alive, and you're still in the world, your body is still operating, still you're going to experience that Gehenna because now you are existing in a way that is fundamentally stagnant. You'll sense like, wow, I'm... I'm out of sync, something's wrong with my life, and the more you do it intensely, the more you'll accumulate this sense of offness, of wrongness, of sort of like, I, 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 I'm not supposed to be where I am, I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time. And that will then go ahead of you, means ultimately at some point in existence there's going to be this phase where there's going to be an exposure to the truth, where, where Hashem's going to sort of jolt the entire system and uncover a large portion of what's going on underneath, and then all being will sort of encounter a much deeper exposure to what it truly is. So it's kind of like if you think of yourself in, in, a, in one way, and then one day suddenly you're exposed to like a larger truth about yourself. Let's say maybe you grew up, if you were you know, a classic example, someone who, who was adopted and doesn't know about it, and then when they suddenly encounter that truth later on, it sort of jars their perspective and shatters it a little bit. And so that's because you were sort of living in one way and suddenly a, a perspective that you did not know gets revealed to you. Now it changes the way you experience yourself. That's what we're saying here, is that someone who lives in, in a way that is fundamentally stagnant, that stagnantness will at some point um, get shook, shaken up and jarred by the exposure to the larger truth. Um, these are all just different examples where it sounds like this, these types of stagnant tummy mistakes or behaviors are tied to you and they stay with you and they, they're always on your heels and surrounding you. That's what the different quotes are talking about there. That's what it means also in, uh, in, the, in the Talmud, what the sages say. Tshuva is the greatest thing because Tshuva actually switches your um your zdonos which means your your choices to distort and to destroy it changes them when you do tshuva it changes them to zhuyos which means things that actually are adding to your to your connection with hashem so tshuva usually is translated as repentance the word is terrible translation tshuva literally means to return and we're all doing just to understand this process um, as a fragment of consciousness so you are actually still, consciousness itself, the actual neshama, the self that you are, is intangible, can never really be fragmented. So you still experience yourself, though, as if you're you and separate from me and every other person. And so we have this experiential encounter, experiential sense that we are fragments of consciousness. But the truth is that there's really only one self. And so just to sort of put that out there, tshuva is the word that means to return. The reason why that word is so important is because what Hashem did was, you can think of it as Hashem sort of took himself, the total self, the all-conscious, and then sort of like placed this program or this perspective, this wiring, this, this set of lenses to cover up himself from himself and to create this experience, this perception of fragmented disconnection that now you can think of it as like, it's almost as if you forgot 99% of yourself and of your life and now there's only the 1% of you but you have this, you know, that 1% that you that, that's left that you still are, you're, you're sort of like, you'll feel this giant emptiness like, wait, where's the rest of me? Like, I feel like there's so much more to who I am than just this and you're going to start to search for the rest of yourself 
And so that's what we're talking about here when we say that, you know, what, is, what, what we are is we are literally, um, or I don't know if literally is the best word, but let's say literally in a certain sense, we are conceptually, experientially fragments, aspects of Hashem's self that have forgotten the rest of who we really are, the rest of ourselves. And then tshuva is this, this sense that we have to return to the larger self that we really are. And so that's what, you know, this, this, exa- this analogy of the network with the, with the mini hubs of consciousness and the master hub that is the total self is an analogy to capture this concept because we're talking about how as a miniature hub, as a satellite hub of Hashem's self, so you experience this internal need in the sense that you want to re-return and, and to re-merge with the original self that you actually are. And it's not that there's you and Hashem, it's that you are actually, it's almost like you know the rays of light of the sun. You are an expression, an extension of Hashem's self. And so that's what tshuva is. Now, when you actually, what this line from the Talmud is saying is that tshuva takes your zdonos and turns them into zechuyos. Zdonos means ways of being, choices that you made that are distorting, and it converts them into things that are actually connective and are actually consciousness boosters and, and re, reconnecting you back to Hashem. How does tshuva take your, your mistakes and turn them into connectors? So that's a, that's a, a, a pasuk which just says, when a rasha, uh, he returns from his, a rasha means someone who is, who is so distorted that he's essentially on a consistent path of distance from Hashem. So and if he returns from that, and instead of doing those kinds of things, he does mishpat utzdaka, which essentially are behaviors that are expressions of Hashem's will into the world, alehem hu so then on top of them he will live. What does that mean? So the Nefshachim explains, it's a strange proof that what's being brought here in this, when the Gemara says from this Pasuk, uh, the Talmud brings this Pasuk as a proof that your, your tshuva converts your mistakes into connections. So he says it's a strange proof. Why? Um, because really the phrase, when it says, on them you will live, that sounds like it means, well, why are you going to live? This Russia in this example, you'll live because now you're doing mishpat and staka. Um, that you did after you returned. So he says, so in other words, his point now is that that Gemara is strange. That Talmud line is strange. It brings the wrong type of verse as a proof because that verse says, you do if you do bad things, you do things which damage and, and distance you from Hashem. So then, and then you do tshuva from those things, then you'll live um, on the mishpat and staka. It doesn't prove anything for the point that the Talmud is making, which is that the actual mistakes themselves are going to be the source of your life. So kasafti, but based on what I wrote, he says, that actually is a good proof. This is how you actually read that that line from that that pasuk. Because if it was true. When it says you will live on them or because of them, if that was referring to the good things, to the things that connect you to Hashem, uh, so then it should have said, it should have said, Bahem not Alehem. It should have said, it should have said, in them or through them, that's what you'll live through them. But it says instead, Alehem, um, which means on them. Um, like it says elsewhere, Bahai Bahem, that you'll live through you'll live through them. Like we explained. With the Amar Alehem, the fact that it says you're gonna you're gonna live on them. It's clear the pasuk is saying that the 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 thing you're the things you're living on are not the good things, are not the stuck on mishpat. Instead, it's the 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 rish the rishut that you did, the things that were that were damaging and distorted and distancing. 
that through your leaving behind the destructive ways of being and instead doing mishpan and staka instead, so these, this connective way of life will actually sort of like well up above the earlier ways of being. They'll also turn those things into things that will then connect you to Hashem. Which, that's a much larger discussion also in terms of tshuva, but the concept here essentially is that our mistakes are only damaging insofar as they remain mistakes. But if you, do, if you engage in the process of tshuva, so what that means is if you use the experience, whenever you act in a way that distances you from someone that you love and from Hashem, this is the same thing. So that sense of distance is going to create a, counter, a counterpoint, sort of like a resulting um, pull to try to heal the distance, try to repair what happened. And so what that means is that if you use the pain of distance as a, as a force to return to yourself and to return to the connection that you've damaged, so then that means that now the distance, it served a purpose, it actually played a role to create greater connection. And so that's why when you, as soon as you engage in tshuva in the process of returning, then the damaging behaviors are actually going to end up being sources of greater closeness. Just like anything you have a fight with someone that you love, the making up process is always, you know, is, is always very intense because, you know, it's, it's even usually more intense to make up than it is to just not fight. If you just don't fight with someone that you love, so you'll have a sort of an even keel type of love for them. But when you get in a fight with them, then make up, the love that results after the connection in the sense of, of openness and vulnerability is far greater because of the of the distance created by the fight. And so what that means is that the distance that we experience through our, through our destructive ways of being are actually um, very important that when, we, when they're sort of thrown into the mix of a tshuva process, then the mistakes that we make are actually, and the distorted behaviors are actually um, ultimately going to be ways of greater closeness than, than anything else. So that's why tshuva is so important and so powerful and so profound because it sort of takes the mistakes and put the, puts them where they belong. And that, that sort of leads to one other point, which is that we're not supposed to not make mistakes. In other words, making mistakes is sort of part of how this works. The trick is to try not to make mistakes because you want to be focused on constantly deepening your connection with Hashem. When you make a mistake, uh, whether it's a deliberate mistake or an accidental mistake, you have to immediately try to link it back into the system and try to figure out, okay, well, how can I use this now to get greater, to continue to deepen my connection with myself and with Hashem and with all those around me? And that's when those mistakes then lose their, they lose their mistakeness and they play a part in the whole process here that is very, very uh, significant. Okay, reading on. And so when you actually are able to, to, to fulfill these mitzvot, um, properly and fully, with all their details, um, through the action and the other details, and then you also have the proper thought, you know, you're thinking the thoughts that correspond to the actions that you're taking, as opposed to just sort of just doing the actions mindlessly, but they're actually being expressed, the, the actions are expressions of your inner thought and those thoughts which are dedicated to Hashem. That's going to cause this massive restructuring that really um, properly organizes the flow of connection in all the wires and connections between you and Hashem. Now you become this carrier of Hashem's being and presence and consciousness through you because through what you're doing, you're basically properly orienting all the channels and Hashem sort of flows through you 
Um, and then your whole, all the different aspects of your being, physical and, and internal, they all become sort of like linked and dedicated towards Hashem in a very integrated way. Then Hashem's presence and you know, Hashem's presence sort of like flows through you and, and, and manifests through you. And that's why the word for presence is kavod, because kavod basically means the impact from the word kaved, which means heavy, that now if you are a channel for Hashem's being into the world, then you literally have an impact on the world around you. Just Not, not only is there this strong uh, vibration and, and, and resonating dynamic in all of existence, sort of like between you and Hashem, but that sort of radiates out in a ripple effect into the world around you also. And so you look at the Zohar in, in uh, Parshas Truma. Uh, so whoever is called by my name for my impact, I've sort of uh, brought him into being. So here, the uh, skipping to the Hebrew. This very specific language. Um, this, this, this deep concept of kavod, so that all comes from above, meaning from the upper, the higher, the from, let's say from within the analogy world that we're talking about, from the master self uh, in the consciousness network. Um, and that's, it comes through the tikkunim of the of the bnei haolam, means the 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 people who live inside of the layers of existence. So olam literally means layers. And B'nai means sort of like the offspring of. So the offspring of the layer essentially means that throughout the layers there are these scattered, all of these these offspring. And when those offspring are tzaddikim v'chasidim, tzaddikim means that you are you are literally right. You are accurately living. And chasidim means you are intuitively aware of the of the values or the the organizational structure and the direction and vision and purpose of the higher self. So when you uh, when when you have all the offspring inside of the system that are operating in this accurate and intuitively connected way, so then they create these tikkunim. That leads to, tikkunim means literally like repair or this reorganization of existence such that now Hashem's presence flows out through them into being. This is what the, this is what the sages said in the Medrash. The Avos, which refers to Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov um, from the Chumash. So they are literally the, they are carrying Hashem. They are, the Merkava means like the chariot, as you mentioned in earlier, in earlier episodes. And so they're kind of like the they're the channel carrying Hashem's being into the world. Also, the opposite is true. So if you veer or deviate and distort the system through one of your actions, so then so then that uh, distortion will also um, sort of create this radiation process where the root of that part of you in Hashem's larger network and the self above will also now sort of flow and interact with that and create more of that type of energy in the world. Um, and, and that means and the force that is above, that is that is connected to and parallel to that aspect of your being that you have now distorted. Which will then destroy and damage or or reduce um, or, or create some kind of some kind of um, permanent mark or, or, or damage, and to reduce the clarity of that particular aspect of being. So, like if there's some, you know, when when you cause damage in the world in some way that distorts Hashem's presence, so then it causes this this larger pro- problem in the entire system. And that will then sort of like um, weaken, and latish means to like to to um, to become very tired. So to sort of like exhaust, um, 
and reduce that power of Hashem's Kedusha into the world. According to the way that you did it. So here again, there's a lot of specifics here, which we're not really doing so many examples right now. But basically what he's saying is that what we've already mentioned in the previous episode, which is that the things, the things that you do that cause damage, according to the nature of them, that will determine how exactly that plays out in the physical world. But the point is right now, in a general sense, the same exact system we've been discussing until now. So that's pretty much what he's referring to here. Because not all layers are the same in terms of how damage impacts them. Because um, in the lower, so if you think about it again, as we mentioned, there's these layers of existence where you have um, you have the ultimately intangible, totally beyond all being, all words that we call um, the Ein Sof and a little bit below it. Um, that's like where you have totally non-physical, non-measurable in any way. And that slowly translates itself through a series of really quite a lot of layers that we call the Olamos, ultimately manifest as the physical, finite, diverse uh, world that we experience around us. So we can think of it as um, just like your body is this very, very diverse, it's a you know, multifaceted tool, but it's all you. You're the one self that is sort of behind all of the body. So that's also true about existence. We're saying there's one truth that is intangible behind all of the diverse existence that we experience. And there's a series of layers um, that translate that oneness into the multiplicity that we see around us. And what he's saying here is that at the ultimate, the, the most physical layer, the bot, what he calls the bottom layer. So then a a pagam, a, a destructive way of being, who harisa v'churban, is like, could manifest as a physical destruction. Ulamala, then a little bit above that in the layers, maniyas means like less consciousness, less Hashem's presence. Uve elyon yoserimenu, and even to go higher than that, gorim rakis ma'atus shifas oro o uh, it'll reduce, it'll sort of like, it, it, instead of it being a loss of consciousness, it'll just re- lead to a reduction of consciousness. Above that, it only reduce, the, the same amount of light will be there, but maybe some of the clarity of the light will be, will be lost, or the shine. So many different layers like this. Um, so there, the, what he's trying to say is that different layers will have different properties. So that when you cause damage to the system, so that will be played out according to the layer itself. Uh, it will determine how much damage there will actually be. That's why the, our sages said um, that the pagam of your avon, whenever you do something which distorts and violates the Torah, it means damage to the sort of like the figure of the king. So we already discussed the king in earlier episodes, how the concept of Melech does not mean just kind of like a tyrant um, who sits on a throne and tells you what to do. The concept of a Melech is actually, the Melech is supposed to be the visionary who sees the total purpose and direction and thrust of all of the disparate, separate beings that are sort of inside of his collective kingship, uh, his kingdom. And so when you are a true Melech, what you're doing is you're sort of acting as a focal point that all of those separate beings are sort of all drawn towards you and they are each aspects of your being, and then you direct all of that creativity and 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 resources towards whatever the higher purpose is for this group, for this kingdom. And so that's what Ikon and Shamelch here is going to explain it more, as you see from the let's skip into the brackets here. Someone who who is negligent, who violates the mitzvot, these connective tools of the Torah, describe how to do this. It's as if you now cause damage to the actual body of the Melech. So that's what we're saying is that the Melech is sort of like represented here as the total structure and interconnectedness of all the beings in the kingdom. Like it's written, um, and the, the, the people who are who are going and they are they are um, 
they're damaging me, they're attacking me. It says, be mamash, me, it says, me, myself. And that's why it says, you know, how terrible it is that someone who is, um, who has violated and distorted the Torah, they don't realize what exactly it is that they're doing because they don't understand, they don't see the system that's going on. They just have this vague religious idea like, well, there's a guy in the sky, I have to just do what he says. If I don't do what he says, I get in trouble. That's called, um, you know, people who then violate the Torah, that's what they think they're doing. They're just um, sort of fighting against this annoying guy in the sky who's just trying to, trying to control them. And someone who, as it says in the Tikkunim, someone who violates the mitzvos, so you're actually causing damage to the figure, to the structure of the melech. Again, the melech here is the visionary that is directing all being. And so when you violate that, you are now, you are now creating these damaging ripples inside the system and that, that threatens to now bring the system away from it, uh, the, the fulfillment of, it, of its vision and purpose. That the damage will actually touch and impact the layers of being, um, the structure of existence, the Because each of us is a part of that structure. And so there's this interdependence dynamic between all the different aspects and parts, which each of us is a, each of us is a part of that. And so once you understand this, this, A, the purpose and the vision, and you understand that you are part of that, so then it really changes some of the some of the ideas here. Of course, you have to also understand the, the details and you have to experience this. It's not enough just to know this. Um, if you just heard this and now you're kind of like, oh, wow, when I do things that violate the Torah, now I'm some way in an invisible way causing damage. It's not, this is not invisible. This is very experiential. It's what we call das, which is when you act in a way that violates the Torah, you could actually experience disconnection and greater connection when you live in harmony with the Torah. Now, in order to do that, you have to learn a lot about the Torah. You can't just like read these words and, and that's the end of it. You have to learn the Torah in depth. You have to know a lot of the different ways the halacha works and also a lot of the ways that the deep aspects of yourself work that are expressed in the Torah, which is what we're trying to really uncover here. So don't take what you just heard and what we're reading now and then say, okay, I, now I know something that I can use. There's so much more that you need to know. But for now, at least, this is um, a beginning of a rewriting of the perspective of multiple aspects of Torah thought and ideas. This is what it, this, this is the simple meaning of what the, te- the Torah means when it says "Nase Adam Bitzalmenu," which is in the beginning of Parshas Bereishis when, when, when Hashem is talking about how He wants to create man. He uses a plural language. It says, "Let us create man. Let us create Adam." Nase Adam Lashon Rabim, plural language. What that means is that Hashem was talking to all of existence, saying, "All of you are going to invest aspects of yourself." into the creation of this creature, that he'll then be he'll comprise all of them. expresses at length. That's also Rukhaim Vital, the student of the Ari, wrote in Shara Kedusha. Okay. That's what it means in the Medrash, when it says, who is Hashem saying, let's, let's make man, let's make Adam? So we have these different opinions. Um, actually, I don't know who that is, but two abbreviated names. Um, Hashem spoke to all the previous things that he had done, the Shemaim and the Aretz, and all the things that, he, that he'd uh, differentiated into existence. So he asked, he said to all of them, hey, let's, 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 make, let's make Adam now. Um, oh, the first person, I think it was probably Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. Um, the shame of actually, I'm still not sure who that is. Masa kol yom ve yom nimlach. said he asked every, he was speaking to every cre- every different thing that was differentiated into existence during each phase. 
that they made man, so that Hashem spoke to his his whole collection of based in some kind of group of existence of, that has something to do with judging, whatever that means right now. Um, so the concept here is that the based in always based in means like a court. And the concept of a court is they are the ones who prescribe a standard of existence. That's what courts do. They tell you what's supposed to be, and you have to bring yourself into alignment with that. So when Hashem is speaking to his court, so that conceptually means exactly the same thing as the other opinions, which is that there's different kinds of aspects to that which Hashem brought into being. And then now what's going to happen is they're all going to join forces to generate a, a resulting creation, a resulting creature, that is somehow containing all different facets of all the different sources of being. So you can think of it as like all the different things that Hashem essentially um, differentiated into are now all going to be present somehow in the structure of Adam. Maybe you're concerned. It sounds like, well, there's, that means there's more than one creator. Now that you have Hashem and you have all these other things that are also contributing. So it says, no, we have another text which says um, in, in Sefer Dvarim, that Hashem is the one who made us in the end, that all, all man is ultimately rooted in Hashem. The point is, though, that in the process of differentiation, where now there's multiplicity, so Hashem actually brought all the different um, aspects of existence to bear and to merge and to then express themselves through this creature called man. That's because we are this, this very profoundly hybridized um, being that has uh, wires connecting us and every aspect of ourselves to every aspect of reality. And so that's why we are sort of like formed of all the different aspects, including Hashem's ultimate self, which is what our consciousness is, because we are somehow linked to all being. And that's why when we operate, so we actually uh, radiate and resonate with all of existence. And that's why we have this influence or this this, this effect on, on existence around us. And that's the end of Parak Vav. And so I look forward to seeing you in Parak Zion. I hope that was all clear. Again, any questions, feel free to reach out. And uh, looking forward to seeing you in the next episode.